Hey everybody, welcome into a Friday winning edition of Spits and Suds, a quality two points last night. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by my teammate EP, Ringside, Shap Shots, D Magazine, you name it, he does it. He's the great Sean Shapiro. Happy Friday, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, it's uh, it's a good Friday. It's a day uh, going to enjoy the weekend. It's it's uh, it, it's nice. I'll be honest. It's it's nice when one podcast topic can flow into the other, and yeah, uh, it'll be. Uh, we had a discussion about things earlier this week, and I think it's a it's a great segue into after what happened last night and for the Friday show. So Wait. sometimes you can't draw it up any better. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, we talked on Monday this week. And you talked about the positioning and kind of the calmness and the movement uh, was a little off for Jake Ottinger. But we also pointed out that after the game, he kind of called himself out and said he needed to be better. And he certainly was. Specifically, I thought, you know, in that first part of the second period when just the pens just went on a shot rampage and the stars didn't seem like they could get a shot on net at one point. They had only one shot on net. And then that, you know, the closing seconds of the third um, and throughout the third, he made some key stops as well. Yeah, he was, he, he responded last night. That's, that's the best way to put it. He stopped. What was the final number? Was it 39 saves? What was it? Uh, yeah. 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 He responded last night. 40, sorry, 40 saves, 40 saves on, on 42 shots. Um, third period game on the line he made some of those big saves that um he frankly didn't make in those last two games where he even called himself out um the the stop on rust followed up by the rebound on crosby with about 14 minutes remaining um that poise was back in the final minute there was it wasn't a difficult save but it was just a calming controlling save with about like 16 or 17 seconds left with the glove that puck was kind of fluttering that's one of those where just holding that play there just settles everything so a response game for jake ottinger um and you talked about him needing to be better he talked about himself being needed to be better and that's what he was last night against uh against a team that kind of was was a bit was was death was is desperate to get results right now obviously pittsburgh was coming off the win the night before against colorado which is a momentum driver but also they're in a team that is fighting for that playoff spot and yeah playoff yeah. type atmosphere last night ottinger delivered a playoff type game um it's let's roll it into the next one let's see what happens next but obviously great response from the goalie and uh it's uh this is where this is this is where you get to see the consistency of the next one. You got it the next one. That's that's what kind of what you want to see. But definitely uh I, I thought he was solid last night. Overall, I thought it was a game for Dallas where it was interesting. Like it was the um the if you had told me that Pittsburgh had 15, I it was hard. Like I I the, the 42 shot total almost seems a little surprising to me just because I would have had a hard time believing looking back that Pittsburgh actually had 15 shots in the first period. That's kind of the one that surprised me a little bit looking back on it where it's like there was, there was a lot of just noise in the first period. Um, um, But Dallas won an important game. They got Tyler Sagan back last night, who I don't know. What'd you, what'd you think of Sagan's game last night? Cause I was, Uh, he's been to me. Yeah. It's good to have him back. Um, yeah. I thought he was a little sloppy in the neutral zone specifically. 
Um, but I thought he had, you know, I mean, he had one timer that was a sizzler um, that I liked. But, I mean, I think it's going to take him a game or two uh, to get back, and I, I'm willing to to, to give that. Um, I thought his line mate, Max Domi, although not showing up on the score sheet per se, I thought specifically late in the third, I thought he had some really good um, defensive uh, play. I think he was very aggressive in the final minutes and not just kind of standing around covering his space. I thought he broke up some passes. And, uh, you know, it was, it was the little things that aren't going to show up. But, I mean, Max Domi's not known for his defensive play, so I thought, you know, that was good. Uh, I do, it sounds weird to say, but I think... One of the reasons I like Sagan back is because I think he's an improved defenseman. I'm not calling him a lead or anything like that, but I think having him back in the lineup certainly uh, also helps the team defensively. So I was, I mean, I was okay with it. I was glad to have him back, but I mean, it didn't, you know, it didn't, I mean, if I was looking at names, I would say Wyatt Johnston certainly showed up yeah, more. Yeah. Jamie Ben showed up more, for, but I mean, it was, you know, yeah. I think it's going to take him a game or two. For me, the biggest thing with Sagan is the answer that we will never get is how does that incision look this morning? Yeah. Because it's it's the biggest the biggest thing is with, with Sagan for me is like, and I thought he looked fine. I thought he didn't look timid. Um, I think if you play timid, you're more likely to get hurt. So I think that that was a good sign the way he played the game. Um, to me, the biggest concern with Sagan is the Dallas Stars, the end goal is to be at the end of, end of June to be hoisting the Stanley Cup. And the best chance of doing that is with a healthy Tyler Sagan in may and june and so i the one thing just with someone who was pushed to come back from injuries before and you know his pain tolerance is high and everything like that my one thing with sagan is i just i just hope that last night wasn't too early to come back and we'll never be we'll never get the real answer on that because it will always be something that is going to that Tyler's Tyler will never admit that something came too early or whatever, or the team, but, but my just hope is the answer that we won't get, but the answer I'm hoping is that they're looking at that incision. They're looking at that leg this morning and it's good and everything's good to move forward. Yeah. And that they didn't, they didn't take things. They didn't, they didn't put it in a spot where they may have rushed things. So I'm just hoping that that is the lasting legacy from the last late night's game is it was the right time to come back and the right time to start building for the playoffs. Yeah. So that, that's, that's, that's just my thought on the Sagan thing. And I thought the way he played the fact he played where he didn't look timid, he didn't look like it was bothering him. He didn't look worried about it. That to me is a good sign. Hopefully that uh, things are going in the right direction there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, I mean, you know, pretty loud barn at times last night. Uh, it seems as though people are okay with the eight o'clock start. Um, you know, from a stars fan perspective, uh, one of the things that frustrated people in the past, we've talked about this in the podcast was the inability to get on national TV. So mm -hmm. I think the stars are getting a, a, a lot of, you know, quality games on TV this year nationally, uh, you know, into that matter, I actually thought Steve Levy and, um, uh, and Ray Ferraro did a really nice job last night. I kind of like Ray Ferraro. I don't like his positioning per se. I think he'd, I'd rather have him in the booth. Um, mm -hmm. I get it. But at the same time, I mean, I thought they called a pretty good game. And I think they called it well for both sides. Ferraro's a good analyst. He yeah. does a really good job. I mean, it's a weird thing of how the... Uh, of how the... Between the benches... 
role has evolved, right? Like it used to be the pure interviewer role and now they put the analyst there. And um, I I like having a quote unquote analyst between the benches. I don't mind it, but I think if you're going to do it, you need a second person in the booth. Like, I think you, you almost need it to be like, you, it's like a, it's almost becomes a three man broadcast where it's, you're going to have a play by play analyst in the booth and then another person on the ice. I, I, I think there's something that gets lost. Um, and I think Levy, I think uh, Ferrara did a pretty good job, but I think there's something that does get lost yeah. when, um, when you don't have the up top perspective and that's kind of it for, as an analyst and you're relying too much and that's the, and you're not necessarily looking at the same thing the play-by-play is all the time and everything like that. So um, I, I, I just think it's and I, it's hopefully as broadcasts go, and I, I would I would like and I would like to think that maybe you get to the Stanley Cup final and you're going to have the three-man booth and you're going to have the three-man broadcast with a three-person broadcast with a analyst up top next to the play-by-play and then another person yeah. on, on on ice level. So I would like to think that. Um, I, the other thing about the eight o'clock start is like it's easy to get up for it's easy to make things work for an eight p.m. start when uh, when the team's this good, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> like, and when the like Penguins are in yeah, town, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 one of those where it's like it's not a uh, it's not an eight o'clock eight o'clock start against the. Arizona Coyotes on a, yeah. on a Tuesday. Yeah, so yeah. It's a, so it's. I think it, context is important, but it was. I thought it was good energy. Uh, it came through on the TV, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, just another overall good performance by Dallas. Yeah, um, I really liked. Um, I really liked the Pavelski goal in the third period. Because oh, that was, was so, yeah. That, yeah I mean, that was, yeah, yeah. you know, in fact, in fact, yeah. two of the stars goals, um, I mean, clearly that, that Pavelski's, that's a drawn up um, mm-hmm. tip yeah. situation. And the first goal as well with hints winding up and, you know, then the tip pass from Robertson, which, you know, sent hints on his way. I just thought that was a wonderful play. I mean, that is using, and that's one thing I did see from the Stars last night. I felt as though they did a really good job uh, utilizing their speed, um, you know, with Pittsburgh coming off back to back. Yeah, and I, I that play, I think there's something to be noted about that Pavelski goal. Um, one of the things, we've talked a lot about Miro Heishkinen on this podcast and everything like that, but one of the things about, Miro Heishkinen running the power play versus John Klingberg running the power play. Um, and part of it, it took Miro getting to a point of confidence on this is Miro runs the power play more like Brent Burns did than John Klingberg did. Um, Brent Burns is, if you watched, if you watched him play and who Pavelski played with yeah. for years, he's more of a shoot to pass guy, right? Like he's a shoot to pass uh puck not really more than six inches off the ice ever um, getting pucks through that way. And that's what Pavelski played with for his entire career in, um, in San Jose. And one of the things that made John Klingberg so unique, um, and I liked it about John Klingberg, but it's something that's very different when you go from playing with Brent Burns your entire career to John Klingberg, is John Klingberg has this looping, floating, tippable wrister where the guy in the slot and the net front guy it's more like playing lacrosse almost 
than playing hockey at times because yep. it's a high it's a high floating tip where it's it's very difficult for the goalie to to uh to track which is why it's so effective and if you play with some, if in but it's it's also it's different it's different it's 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 different and i think we are seeing like the play the stars scored last night the slap pass from miro to pavelski for that tip that's not a goal that happens with John Klingberg. John Klingberg shooting that puck more so to score and, and the tip is coming a different way. So it's just it's just a different dynamic of what this power play is now right. that and it was always gonna be there, I think, like kind of that, that slap pass to shot option that Miro had. But now we're and we've talked about his confidence and him seizing that opportunity. We're seeing more and more of it now where he's looking more like the guy running the point that Pavelski played with for years in San Jose and Brent Burns. And he's not trying to look like John Klingberg, which is, which is a great thing because each different players have different strengths for different reasons and all of that stuff. But um, like that goal doesn't happen with John Klingberg at the point, but it does happen with Miro playing this way. And I think it's just a great thing to see and a a point to grab and think about of Mm -hmm. when, 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 when you talk about how a power play can work and how it runs, it's, it, it, it's it's also wild to think, isn't it, man? Like it's now like he'll always be a San Jose. He'll probably always be yeah. a San Jose Shark first. But like the fact that Pavelski has spent so much time in Dallas, like it's it's going to be one of those things. Where originally when he signed with Dallas, it was going to be one of those thoughts of like, oh, it was longtime San Jose Shark who also happened to spend some time in Dallas at the end of the career. Now it's it's going to be like. San Jose Shark and Dallas Star. Like his career is almost going to be those two side by side, which is something you probably would have never expected when he came when he signed here in the first place. Yeah. And oh. and you know there's something else with, you know, the playoffs looming that's not being talked about. He's only 9 points away from 1000 points. Yeah. And we had talked early in the year wasn't sure if he'd get it this year. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, 67 points so far. He's putting up quite the season. Um so, you know, nine points that's i mean a thousand points that's that's kind of a question for you sean does joe pavelski is that i mean is he already in the hall of fame or does that make him a hall of famer um i don't don't think i mean he's not gonna make the hall of fame wow Um, it's and it's the issue is he needs to he needs to move to the nba Get in the well, hall because yeah, I mean, <laughs> everyone gets in the, the Hall of Fame. <laughs> the issue with the the NHL Hall of Fame is too the the Hockey Hall of Fame is too exclusive. Like the fact that I mean Yuri Lettinen's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, the fact that um, the fact that they only submit four, you can only get four guys in per year, and it's it's hard to. He's a very good player and he's, but it's, it's a hockey hall. Some of the other guys in line are just going to make it very difficult for him to get it. I did just, I was curious. So I just pulled this up um, of the, uh, this is, this is, this is interesting. I did not know uh, that Pavelski even Pat it's, it's, it's got a nice Dallas tie. So Pavelski as seventh um, as it comes to, there's only two, there's only one other, there's only one seventh round pick other than Pavelski. So Pavelski hits a thousand points either this late this year or next year. He'll be just the second seventh round pick in NHL history to hit, um, to hit a thousand points in their career, which is an incredible accomplishment. 
And this is also the reason where you wonder, this is also the, the great example of will he be a Hall of Famer or not. Um, the other guys to Doug Gilmore was a seventh round pick. Doug Gilmore, 1,414 points, 1,474 games played. Um, question becomes like, is Henrik Zetterberg a Hall of Famer? Because Henrik Zed, that that will be probably be the deciding factor of whether Joe Pavelski can get into that conversation. Because Henrik Zetterberg played a thousand games, had a 960 career points, won some Stanley Cups, captain the Red Wings. If Henrik Zetterberg gets into the Hall of Fame, Pavelski has a chance. If Zetterberg doesn't, then I don't know if Pavelski will. So. God, I just I, it's just tough watching him and not think that he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's I get it. He's one of the great. He will be in the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. I guarantee you that. He will be in the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. And the Hockey Hall of Fame, it will be interesting because it's 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 just there's there's line, there's certain lines that you got to get over. And the fact that, like, one of the biggest travesties of the Hockey Hall of Fame, we've talked about on this podcast, is how it's selected. But the fact that Alexander McGillney's not in the Hockey Hall of Fame yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm on that soapbox first. Like, yeah, no, I, Alexander I, in the hockey offense. I totally so. get it. And there was a Hall of Famer. We do want to point out on the ice last night. And I'm just going to say this because that's, I, pretty, I, that's pretty bold of you. I mean, Jason Robertson, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> man, I was more, I was more leaning toward Ottinger, but you know, that's fine. <laughs> Robertson can go too. So I, I will say this. I raised my yeah, hand too. In that, you know, we're all wowed by Connor McDavid. We were mm-hmm. all wowed about all-time goals with Ovechkin. You know, I mean, that that has been, you know, the storylines. But it's almost like, I don't want to say Sidney Crosby's forgotten. But, and he's still obviously that name. He's He's having a great season. And just like for the hockey purist in me, in that final minute, with two face-off draws, Ben versus Crosby, I was in, Sean. I was like, yeah. and maybe maybe that's like the the super diehard hockey fan in me, but I'm like, this is awesome. Ben versus Crosby, and I loved how Ferraro said, this is how he's going to take the face-off draw. Watch. And yeah. it was exactly, it to me, for a hockey purist, it was it was wonderful. I'm glad, you know, I mean, I'm glad the Stars won, but I'm glad he, you know, scored here in Dallas. So that makes every city that he scored in, which is awesome. Um, I just think it's funny because it's like, you know, that to me is the all-around, am I allowed to say the greatest hockey player when it comes to all-around? Maybe Bobby Orr? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fair question. I mean, it's I mean, we'd have to go way back, like, but... I just love him yeah, as a two-way yeah. player. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the whole, like, you'll get people from a certain era and generation. It, nothing against Gordie Howe at all, but there'll be, it's, the game was, the way Gord, the competition Gordie Howe played against was not as good as the competition Sidney Crosby played against. So the era adjusted thing is very, now, to me, the, the thing that is, you talk about, like, best all-around players of all time, and this is something where, like, stat, I saw this the other day, and he's already locked it in this year. Crosby is in his 18th NHL season. This will be his 18th season um, averaging more than a point per game. He's got 85 points this year in 72 games. Even if he doesn't score another point for the rest of the year, he's going to average 18 for 18, 18 straight years, averaging more than a point per game. That is, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, that is that's 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 longevity that's that's consistency um 
you even go to um where was it i'm pulling this up right now like even so he's doing something in his year 35 season so we're we're at the spot where yes it feels weird Sidney crosby is 35 but Sidney crosby is going to be a point per game player at 35 years wow do you know who for the first time in their career wasn't a point per game player at 35 years old Ooh, gordy how gretzky oh wayne Wayne Gretzky. gretzky okay Wayne Gretzky in actually he did it at 34. So Wayne Gretzky was a obviously greatest, great one, great greatest of all time, right? But point per game player, above a point per game player his entire career up until he's 32, 33 years old. 34, 34, 34 year old season. He had 30, he had 30, sorry, 35 year old season. He was uh where is this? Hold on. Oh, wait, let me, sorry. I want to, I want to track back. I was reading the wrong category. So Wayne Gretzky was, Wayne Gretzky still was. Let's, 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 let's everyone. I don't even, you don't need to go back and re-record. I will quick amend <laughs> this. I was reading the wrong, I was reading the wrong category. Um, Gretzky uh, was still, sorry. Crosby will tie with one more year. will tie Gretzky for next, next season. If he has a point per game per season next year, he will tie Gretzky for the record for most seasons in a row of consecutive seasons averaging a point per game and that is in so impressive to do that at 30 he's gonna he's gonna be a point per game player at 35 the only thing like the only the, the, the most frustrating thing about Crosby is like he's only played 82 games once in his career yeah. like that's the thing where you look back and you look at what we missed out on where it's not just the concussion and the time when he only played 22 games in 2011-12 or 36 games the following year. It's the 69 games here, 55 games here, 70, 76 games here. The, the amount of games he could have played, add in the lockouts and COVID and everything like that. It's just, I just feel like we've been short shrifted on what we could have had with Sidney Crosby yeah. just as hockey fans. And it's just, it's, 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 because uh, he is, He's a joy to watch on a nightly basis. He he is that good. Uh, there was something the other I saw something the other day because uh, obviously the, the puck and player track. His backhand clocks in at sixty. Clocked in. He had a backhand shot that clocked in at sixty eight miles an hour. Yeah, he definitely. That's yeah, that's his backhand. Yeah, like his backhand special. In fact, in like, fact, Ferraro was pointing out that last night that to to him it's the best backhand since number nine, Mike Madano. He thought Madonna had a great backhand. So I thought that was a pretty cool recall. Yeah. 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 So uh, just quick side note. Um, if you ever want to have a superstar um, hockey player like Sidney Crosby, like Nathan McKinnon, like Brad Richards, move to Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> I always like throwing that fun fact in. It's such a small island, yet so many great hockey players come out of there. Also, Steve yeah, Ott. <laughs> yep. Yeah. They, uh... Crosby and McKinnon have, uh, they both like have houses on the same lake there. It's yeah. Kind of, it's kind of yeah. Cool, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, clarification, I guess, if anyone wants to, um, so I'll leave this in here. I won't edit it. Brad Richards and Steve Ott are from Prince Edward Island, which is also technically part of Nova Scotia. So I just want to, uh, clarify. All right. A couple, <laughs> uh, mailbag questions before we go yep. about last night's, uh, stars game. Always like to hear from you stars fans. 
you can uh, hit us up anytime. Happy to uh, give you a shout out as well. So our friend uh, MB Tendy at MB Tendy. What up, boys? Hope all is well. Would you guys consider this the best rostered team post cap era going into playoffs? If not, what year outranks them? Cheers. Keep up the solid work. What do you think? Uh, going into the playoffs, right? Uh, is, is, is what we're yes, talking go, about, right? going Yes, going into the playoffs. And I'll throw in my quick one, and I'm sorry I don't know the year. The year that they got bounced with Lindy Ruff as the head coach. I thought that was a pretty good roster. Yeah, I mean the, tw- the they won the they had the best record in the West. Yeah, that that's the 2015 16 okay. team. Okay. Um, where that team was, uh, yeah, that that team you had you had prime Jamie Ben, you had Jason Spezza still in a great spot. You had John Klingberg in a great. Um, you had that team. I would I would argue that team still had the and I'm gonna say this going with it going into the playoffs is where I'm going to say on this because um you had the goaltending on this team, I think is undoubtedly better with with Jake Ottinger as opposed to Antony Emmy and Kari Latin in that year. Yep. Um so that is definitely uh, that is definitely a fair thing. So it would be in the cap era is it's, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great call to use that as the line, because obviously if you're going through all of history, it's not really fair, but um, I think in the cap era, I think this is up there. I think it's as of right now, that 2015, 16 team was, was deeper and attacked you in waves more. Um, it didn't have the, the top line of this team would be better, obviously with Robertson and Hintz and Pavelski, but I think that 2015-16 team, I think people forget how much that team attacked in waves and how it didn't need um it wasn't a one-line team. And it was it was that that was that type of team. And so I think that's uh for right now, I still give 15-16 the edge on that. Okay. Okay. And the second question comes from Corey D tweets. Thanks for uh, your support, Corey. Do you see Thomas Harley, nine goals, 21 assists, 30 points with Texas Stars with the big club next season? If so, who do you possibly see out of the picture on the blue line? Well, I could tell you Joel Hanley is a free agent. Um, so there's but that. They're not, they're, but, they're, but they're not competing for the same job. No, no, Let's I know. Be, I'm like, just, like, I'm like, just like, throwing yeah, it yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. Like, yeah, like, like if, I, I could easily see Joel Hanley as part of the Dallas Stars next year, but it would be... Joel Hanley, like you need a seventh defense. You do just be yes. like, so like I could easily see Joel Hanley being part of the Dallas stars next year. Um, when it comes to Thomas Harley, um, I think there's going to have, I think the stars are going to have to make the stars have to make a difficult decision on Thomas Harley. And it's, and it's, and it's one of that, it's it's a very interesting space because obviously I thought Nils Lundqvist comes back in and plays last night and everything like that. But um, if Thomas Harley is not on the power play, and I've watched Thomas Harley, I've gone out of my way to watch Thomas Harley play games in Texas and everything like that. But if Thomas Harley's not on the power play, he's not really NHL ready by my view. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just like like I like he's been good, but he's not 
he's not solving pro he needs to be on the power play. If you if Thomas Harley needs to be on the power play to be an effective NHLer. I don't think he can be an effective NHLer without regular power play time. I don't think he's a purely five on five guy. I don't think he's a penalty kill guy. So the issue becomes I'm not taking Miro off the first power play. Am I taking Nils Lundqvist off the power play to get him in? Then I'm running into another problem. Right. Like I, I, I I look at Thomas Harley as, and, and maybe the answer is, maybe the answer is Thomas Harley is on a, on a two, two man power play with, with Lundqvist at some point. But at the end of the day, like I, I'm a big believer that you should have your five best offensive players. It doesn't have to be, you don't need two defensemen. You don't even need one defenseman. If, if your best, if your five best offensive players, the power player, five forwards, I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm the, I'm the guy who's willing to green light that. Yep. Um, so I always look at Thomas Harley as, okay, Miro's not going anywhere. Lundqvist isn't going anywhere. Right. Is, is he, and they love Liam Bischel. Liam Bischel is, has got some potential. Like Thomas Harley keeps feeling like me. He keeps feeling like me to me, like the guy who, and I'm not saying, I don't even know who it would be. He just feels like if Jim Nill's going to make yep. a summer deal, he's the he's chip. He's going to make a trade. He's the chip. Yep. Like Jim isn't going to trade. He's not going to trade Wyatt Johnson. Clearly he shouldn't. He's not going to trade Logan Stankoven. He's not going to trade Maverick Bork. Thomas Harley keeps feeling like the guy to me where unless Jim has another shakeup, I don't see the spot where he fits and he plays next year because Miro and Colin Miller. Um, yeah, Colin Miller's locked up for another year. Hockenpah's locked up for another uh, year. Another year. I mean, maybe like I know people want to see the stars buy out Ryan Suter. I know that's mm-hmm. something fans want. And honestly, if if that's something the stars are willing to do, that's that's completely possible. But I also yeah. stars management and coaching staff don't see an issue with Ryan Suter. That's the thing where it's like. That that's the thing where there, there's that's where the giant disconnect is between stars fans and the people running the team is the Ryan Scooter disconnect. Like they can agree. Like I know I've talked to people within the stars office. There's people who there is a proper discourse within the stars front office of Nils Lundqvist should be playing more. And it comes down to there's two sides of the argument. Well, is he ready? Is he ready? Do we play him because we have to or not? Like there is a proper discourse about Nils Lundqvist. There's no discourse about Ryan Suter within the stars. It's he's a solid third line guy. That's what we signed. We signed him. He's, he's moved into that role. Like he's going to be fine. And for me, if I'm Thomas Harley, I look at, if I'm looking at Thomas Harley and I'm looking at my development and where I want to be and for the best possible NHL career for Thomas Harley. Does it, it, it's going to come with him. It's going to come with him needing to find a spot where he's running the power play or driving things offensively and playing that role. And Miro, Miro and, and Nils Lundqvist kind of block that. I mean, the other thing you got to remember is Thomas Harley's also, he's only 21. And how many times have we heard Jim Nils say, I like to let prospects over ripen. I, mm-hmm. you could never have too many defensemen. I mean, yeah, this is only his first full year. This is his first full year in the, like in the AHL with one team. And he's been good. He yep. has been good for Texas, but yeah, I, I could, I could, I could easily see him back in Texas next year. Um, 
I, I just don't want him to be in the set. I don't want him in the in and out of the lineup guy. I, I don't want to deal with the. I agree. I don't. I don't. I, I want him either playing. He's playing a lot of minutes. I can actually, if you give me, let's see if I can pull this. You up don't want have, him to give a stars past examples. I know Brendan Dillon was because of a contract yeah. thing, but you know, uh, dealt with that um, with uh, Julius Honka, with mm-hmm. now Nils Lundqvist. I'm trying to think of some others that are in and out of the lineup, afraid to make mistakes, um, that kind of situation. You want the total confidence coming up. I can play in this league. I would also add that, you know, coming off a good year, um, this would be a decent time to use him as a valuable chip in a trade because if he sits, you know, another year in the AHL, still still valuable, but I think his value has increased over last year based on a first round pick and a first round pick that's maturing and playing better in the AHL I could see a team saying sure uh, I'll, I'll I'll take him you know that's a, that's a lot of value coming my way or solid value along with something else so the stars could um you know further what they need so right now Thomas Harley and I was able to thank you for segueing that so I could look this up um AHL time on ice is not a public stat but um through People I work with over at Elite Prospects, I work, I have access to Instat, which looks at some advanced analytics. These are the same, same people who, when we were looking at the numbers for Jake Ottinger earlier this, this is week. This awesome. Shot. Yes. So, I need Curtis McKenzie's just, time on ice after that, please. So, so uh, <laughs> Thomas Harley, this season in Texas, is averaging 20 minutes, 58 seconds a game. He's averaging a minute five on the power play and two thirteen per game shorthanded. He's not getting that opportunity in Dallas. He's playing 12, 13 minutes. People are going to be screaming and yelling for him to play more. I like where he is right now. I like that he's allowed to kind of own those 21 minutes a game, play that much time. He, this week, he's had, let's see, he had against Coach, he played the other night against Coachella Valley in a back-to-back. He played 23-25 on, he played 23-25 on Tuesday night. He had 16-13. On to, uh, in a game they won six one because Texas uh, tried to, but he got he got close to forty minutes over mm-hmm. two games. I mean, how many games is it going to take Nils Lundqvist to play forty minutes of hockey? Yeah. So it's 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 I I think it's I I'm okay with where he is right now. Yeah. Um, I I I I still want that for I still think him playing twenty two twenty three minutes a night next year is better than him being in and out scratched in the NHL. That's yeah. that's what I look and, at. And one of the good um, things is is that, you know, the stars are building some assets. And, you know, that that's my only thing about Nils Lundqvist not playing. I mean, I want to see him develop. Um, I also do get kind of frustrated. I know others do. I mean, you used a first-round pick. So if you use mm-hmm. that valuable pick, I want to see that player on the ice um, you know, developing because I can use that asset. A perfect example was during the Jacob Chikrin trade. You know, that was a big piece in that was a first round pick. So, you know, I mean, first round picks are probably the most valuable asset now at the trade deadline. Yeah. Uh, Curtis McKenzie, by the way, averaging 1625. You are the man. I got to get Curtis on. I bet he has great stories. And uh, the thing you'll love most about this, and this is just, and it doesn't surprise me at all because of how he, how Texas runs their power play, uh, 332 per game average on power play. 
Curtis is the uh, it's it's not the Alex Ovechkin standing there like he's at a bus stop, but basically <laughs> Curtis McKenzie is the net front guy yes. for both power play one and power play two for Texas. That's so that's awesome. about three and a half minutes per game of taking cross checks to the back, God. elbows to like it's. So there's you, there's your Curtis McKenzie. I fun love it, fact man. <laughs> I, 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 I got to spend some time with Curtis when he was up here, and I just think he's a cool dude. You know, I, I, th- yeah, I think while we're talking Texas, we should just bring up, and you know, we talked about Jake Ottinger. Um, uh, we talked about Jake Ottinger yep. having um, some success last night. Um, Matt Murray hadn't played for a little bit, goes down to uh, get sent, switches him. He gets recalled today. They switched him with Remy Poirier to, uh, to basically, uh, they switched him with Remy Poirier so he could get, get two starts. Played really well. Went down, played uh, played both games against Coachella Valley this week. He had basically took some. They needed to get him to play. They needed to get him playing because not. I believe it's next weekend is a back to back. I think coming up. So you're gonna have to figure out when it comes to Ottinger how you're gonna handle that back to back. Are you gonna? And when it comes to around the back to back, are you gonna play? If you, even if you're gonna play Ottinger both games, you're gonna have to play another goalie around that. And so. I thought it was really big for Matt Murray to go down, get two wins for Texas against Coachella Valley, yep. play some games like a starter. Um, so we should point that out. Too. Yeah, and you are correct. Uh, Coyotes on Friday night in Arizona. Then they travel to Denver and take on the Avalanche on Saturday night. And then they're back home on Monday night against Nashville. So uh, busy schedule give, up and coming. Um, and give, a tr- uh, I'll, I'll say this right now. Yeah. You can, we can talk more about it next week. I, I, I would actually... I would go Murray in game one on that one. Yep. Give Ottinger. Ottinger loves the the big game. He loves the give him Colorado and give him Colorado and give him Nashville. That's what I would do on that one. But that's yep. uh, we can talk when we talk more. No, about that we, we, we can. And for those, yeah. you know, we talked a lot of stars today. Um, I will say Vancouver tomorrow night. Um, listen, I, I'm not even going to call it a trap game. Um, the stars have not matched up well with Vancouver this year. So um, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, and Vancouver's been playing uh, pretty good hockey for uh, Rick Tockett since the change was made. Uh, so we'll see tomorrow night, but, you know, another two points to be had. They have Chicago next week as well as Arizona, so some games that they can win. So this will be great, and, uh, you know, hopefully they can continue, as you mentioned, Sean, the momentum that they had uh, last night. So as always, sir, you are absolutely a beast Have a great weekend. Go Stars. If you like this podcast, if you like what Sean's giving you, like AHL Minutes, which I thoroughly enjoy, you're not going to find that anywhere else, folks. Listen, download, spread the word on social media. It's a local DFW hockey show that gives you everything Stars in the NHL. It's called Spits and Suds. Have a great weekend, everybody.